0: Welcome to the Drill Down. We've got business stories behind stocks on a move. I'm Corey Johnson today. September 13 means it's episode 94. Well, just ahead, what mystery has a once high flying water company going dry? And a controversial medical company finds that its much hyped treatments don't work? And how one fintech company plans to change the way subprime lending is done with our guest, Op5 CEO, Jared Kaplan. But first, it's sponsor time. The Drill Down is brought to you by Era, and never miss another critical
1: event or insight ever. With Era, customize your company watch list and track key events, mentions, filings, and more, all within an easy-to-use, customizable interface. That's Era,
0: A-I-E-R-A.com. And we hope you listen to the Drill Down every day. That's a lot easier when you click the subscribe button and follow us, regardless of the platform, you'll be able to catch every day's show. And Braintrust, a global talent network that matches
1: highly skilled technical freelancers with the world's most reputable brands. Braintrust has helped clients like Bank of America, Goldman Sachs, Porsche, Under Armour, and more build agile tech teams fast at a fraction of the cost. Visit Braintrust.com, that's
0: B-R-A-I-N-T-R-U-S-T.com to learn more. All right, I'm Corey Johnson. Welcome to The Drill Done. We've got business stories behind Stocks and Move, and we've got executive producer, isaac webster with the three most important business developments of the day Corey, let's start with
1: amazon the district of columbia's attorney general has accused amazon of contract contracting with wholesalers in a way that drives up product prices on other websites and insulates itself from competition now these new allegations regarding first party sellers have been added to a pending district antitrust lawsuit first filed in may the earlier complaint focused only on third party sellers who directly sell to consumers via the Amazon marketplace. Now, Amazon says its policies encourage lower prices for its shoppers and are legal, and it has filed a motion to dismiss the lawsuit. But I don't get it.
0: They're 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 driving up prices by doing what? What's the accusation?
1: The accusation is that they are contracting with wholesalers, first party sellers in a way that drives up product prices on other websites and then insulates itself from competition.
0: So maybe they're holding prices down on their site and letting them charge, make up the difference in sales on other sites. Interesting. That's
1: what this lawsuit alleges. Interesting. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, number two, let's talk about uranium. We haven't done that in a while or ever. I don't know if we've ever talked about uranium, actually, but now we Not are. Not enough. Not enough. Shares of uranium mining companies surged today as re- retail traders from Reddit's Wall Street Bets Forum focused their energies on the on rallying the radioactive metal. Uranium companies like Peninsula Energy and Energy Resources of Australia and Bannerman Energy all closed more than 25% higher because of because of this action on Wall Street Bets. Uh UK listed miner Aura Energy. Aura Energy jumped more than 35%. And Canada's Camco has become the third most discussed company
0: on Wall Street bets after Apple and Alibaba. We did mention Eric Sprott on the podcast recently. Uh, He's the Canadian billionaire who's very active in a lot of mining stocks. Um, Sprott, um, uh, he has a thing called the Sprott Physical Uranium Trust. And they've been buying a ton here. And that probably is, it's not just the Wall Street bets clowns. Um, did I call them clowns? I take that back. Those you pajamas. did. It's not the Wall Street bets uh, uh, guys who aren't maybe doing deep uh, analysis and just trying to uh, manipulate stock prices up or down or something. But in, in particular, it's Sprott himself who's out there uh, on a buying spree. Um, and that's driving up. You know, uranium um, is, is such an interest, it has such an interesting history when it comes to speculation. Um, you know, during the 1950s and 60s, The stuff that we see now with blockchain and crypto and the stuff that we saw in the 90s with dot-com stocks, uranium was the stuff in the 50s and 60s that led to some crazy, crazy stock speculation. In fact, for the longest time, the only regional office of the Securities and Exchange Commission between San Francisco and New York was in Utah, was in Salt Lake, because there were so many stock frauds uh, coming out of Salt Lake around the world of uranium. Hmm. Very interesting. Thank you for that history lesson, Corey. Great, great book on that called Uranium Frenzy, out of print, but it's a fantastic tale of the history of uranium speculation.
1: Well, let's continue on energy and let's talk about Europe. UK electri- electricity prices have more than doubled this month in September compared to 2020. Power prices have also jumped in France, Netherlands and Germany. Why? The wind in the stormy North Sea has stopped blowing and it's caused sudden slowdown in wind-driven electricity production off the coast of the UK. Gas and coal-fired electricity plants were called in to make up for the shortfall
0: of wind, but uh, all those utility prices have jumped. Wow, the winds. So the winds for offshore wind farms are better than onshore because there's more wind out there. Uh, we don't see anything like that. The there's speculation. Um, um, I've been reading actually, actually a lot about wind farms. It's funny you should mention this today because I've been reading a lot about this and the, the offshore wind farms, too far offshore to be seen from the shore um, are just super uh, uh, mind blowing that the the size of some of these um, uh, platforms are expected to be 30 stories or taller. Um, they generate the, the, the wind, a single wind farm will be at a point in 20 years or so to be able to generate as much uh, power as a nuclear power plant. Um, Just really, but of course, they do rely on the wind blowing, which didn't seem like it was a risk. Yeah, you got to have that wind to have wind power. Corey, what stocks are you drilling down on today? Let's look at the very controversial MyMedics.
1: MyMedics trades under MDXG. Shares plummeted 60% today, and they've dropped 30% since the start of the year. So tell us about this um, problem over at
0: MyMedics. So this is just the latest at MyMedics. This company has been through some really interesting stuff, not least of which having a former CEO bounced out, accusations of channel stuffing and fraud, a company investigation that found that they didn't follow the proper accounting rules, um, a huge battle with short seller uh, Mark Cahotis accusing the company of fraud, and, and then getting into a fight with uh, our friend, Jonah Nocera at Bloomberg uh, for, for giving too much credence to the company's claims. Uh, this is all based on uh, some drugs that treated things that supposedly helped heal wounds more quickly, you even arguments that, that some doctors at some VA hospitals took illegal payments um, uh, from companies that were trying to uh, get their products used in those VA hospitals. Well, um, in the midst of this, there were these ongoing studies for a future MyMedics products, products that would in particular treat plantar fasciitis um, and knee osteoarthritis. Well, today, two studies—a phase three study and a phase two b clinical trial—came back uh, thumbs down for my and said that these late-stage muscular skeletal clinical trials uh, did not reach their endpoints um, and that their ability to uh, treat these problems was not extant in these drugs. The company came out and said, "Well, at least the drugs were well tolerated. They just..." didn't do what they were supposed to do. Now the company has been betting big time on this growth. The uh, CEO, the current CEO, not the guy who, who uh, left the firm under a cloud uh, a few years back, but uh, the current CEO, Tim Wright, was talking in recent uh, investor meetings, not just about the approvals, but talking about building out the capacity to make more of this stuff as soon as it was approved, almost as if the approval itself um, was was to be taken for granted. Here's Tim Wright talking just a, uh, a few weeks ago about uh, how it was so important for them, extremely important, not just to have the right clinical trial data, which they didn't get, but also the investments they were already making on the, uh, the manufacturing process. Here's Tim Wright. And that's extremely important because you have to have, as I said, not only the right clinical data showing that your product is safe and effective, we also have to convince the agency that you can make it reproducibly and that it's
1: well-characterized and has appropriate pharmaceutical properties. So those things are both in the works. We anticipate filing the BLA for plantar fasciitis in the first half of next year.
0: Yeah, well, that ain't happening now. Um, So really bad news for this company explains why the stock tanks so much. And again, this company has had an enormous number of critics uh, saying that their trials weren't done right and that their business practice is right and that their accounting wasn't right. And now even the, their drug themse- itself, uh, at least these two drugs, are also not right.
1: Corey, what is your next drill down? So let's
0: look at a company called Leslie's.
1: Leslie's. Leslie's trades under S, I'm sorry, LESL. Shares fell over 10% today, and they've lost almost 20% since the start of the year. Tell me about Leslie's. I've never heard of this company.
0: Uh, and yet you have a pool. Yeah. Were you in the pool this weekend? Yes. Is it chlorinated? Yes. Interesting. Interesting. Well. How is that notice. interesting? It's pretty common. Salt, so saltwater pools don't have chlorinated? <laughs> well, yeah, chlorine? there are
1: saltwater pools. I mean, there's either saltwater pools or chlorinated pools. We have a chlorinated one.
0: Okay. Well. Yeah. Uh, how has it been getting chlorine this last year? Uh, I couldn't or tell you. Prices? I think it's fine. Yeah. The price hasn't gone up at all for us. Uh, probably has. Leslie's has benefited from that. Leslie sells this stuff that make your pools and spas work. Um, They have had just a fantastic uh, year or so because people have been, you know, revenue growth last year up about 28%. Um, They have been selling lots of stuff to help people take care of their pools and spas. And they have been going out there and buying lots of other companies and competitors to put them under the roof because the shortages of chlorine are real and getting realer. And hmm. so they're buying competitors because their competitors can't get product and they can, but uh, they went out today and announced that they're going to sell uh, a bunch more stock uh, in order to sort of shore up their balance sheet and maybe make it possible for them to go out and buy more uh, companies and, and acquire more. That uh, 13 million share of stock offering um, didn't help things at all, but uh, it didn't help the stock at all. But it's been interesting to hear them talk about and we've heard about all these shortages in all kinds of products, whether it's clothing or it's it's semiconductors, and yes, big shortages in the world of chlorine. Here's Leslie's CEO, Michael Egek.
1: We've been working very hard to secure additional chlorine for our next fiscal year. Uh, that pipeline is growing nicely, and we expect to have somewhere in the forty to fifty percent. Increase in chlorine granules and pounds for next year. So, so I think to sum it up, uh, tight in the fourth quarter for sure. Uh, better next year, but we don't expect supply to really normalize until after pool season
0: 2022. So that, that, again, it's just it's like everywhere you turn, companies can't get the stuff that they want to sell, even when it comes to pool supplies and chlorine. You know. A, a
1: chlorine shortage or higher chlorine prices, they're not going to be seen just yet for consumers like myself. Because, I mean, normally you have a company that takes care of your pool. They're the ones that are buying the chlorine and taking care of it. So right now they haven't passed the, that any price increase on to us, but maybe that'll change. Just wait. Who knows? Fingers crossed. <laughs> Corey's, what? what's your next drill down? Let's go to Cadiz. Cadiz uh, trades under C D Z I. Shares fell eight eight and a half percent today, and they've dropped six percent over the past twelve months. What's going
0: on with Cadiz? Who the hell knows? Cadiz shares are down forty percent in the last week with no news. Now this company's oh. not great with news. They don't do quarterly conference calls. Mm-hmm. They don't uh, uh, tell us what's always going on. Let me tell you about their business. I'll tell you what they had to say today about the stock move and then we'll go a little deeper in their business. The basics of their business is that they've got a bunch of water in the middle of the Mojave Desert. They've uh, secured land for 70 square miles of property with underground resources of water uh, in San Bernardino County um, and uh, or in and around San Bernardino, I should say, which they've had since the 1980s. Um, like I said, they don't do quarterly conference calls. We don't hear from the company. We did see, however... A promotional video about the desert. You ready? You ready to be inspired? Yes. Here is the anonymous spokesperson for Cadiz talking about this wonderful land in the middle of Mojave Desert.
1: This unique desert reserve, the dry heat and hot sun draws the mind to one simple thought, water. Stored beneath this landscape, is renewable, fresh groundwater, which has sustainably supported responsible farming for more than three decades. Cadiz lies at the base of a vast, special watershed, and groundwater resources not used for farming are lost to evaporation. This groundwater could be saved to create a new water supply for communities in need. Such as? California has no water to waste. Cadiz Can help.
0: So, as you know, where you live, Isaac, in Los Angeles County, they need Mm -hmm. water badly. Yeah, yeah, we do. These guys have water in the Mojave Desert. They don't need the water there. But what good is water in the Mojave Desert if you need it in Los Angeles? The answer is nothing. It is not good for anything. This company does about half a million dollars in revenues. It has well over $80 million in debt. They've been talking about this since the 1980s. So are they just not
1: tapping into it or what? I mean, listen, the inland empire around San Bernardino, you know, there's millions of people that need that water
0: there. You can't FedEx the water to Los Angeles. You can't well, send it by email.
1: Are you you can't? Oh, well, I would have never you, guessed. Yeah, I know it's
0: tricky. You need aqueducts and pipelines and and clearances and water rights. And so these guys have been fighting in every last venue they can find to try to get a way to get this water from San Bernardino to Los Angeles. Um, and in all these years, I mean, they've been at this since 1983 is when they started this company. We have listeners of this podcast who haven't been around since 1983. <laughs> yeah. You know, maybe so, they ought
1: to try a new strategy. Obviously this one's not working.
0: So, the, well, whatever strategy, they had a bunch of CEOs over the time. They've had a bunch of different efforts. Um, it is, it is perpetually a dream that is yet to realize. So something seems to have changed here. Cause like I said, the stock's down 40% in a week with no explanation. The company itself put out a release today and it stemmed the tide a little bit. You know, The stock was up near 15 bucks a week or two ago. It was down in about eight and a half today, closed at nine and a half. They put out a release saying, the company reports there have been no new material developments nor pending announcements concerning business operations. Um, they went on to say they remain confident in their plan to execute in its mission.
1: Okay. The mission is
0: what? To just get water
1: out of the aquifer and give it to LA? Yeah.
0: Or as they put it, <laughs> they want to dedicate a unique and significant land and water asset to the implementation of sustainable water supply, water shortage, and agricultural projects responsive to California's resource needs. Ooh, somebody had a thesaurus. I mean, so I, I don't know what's up with Cadiz, but I, I, I think the, the, the business idea is so bizarre and their lack of success is for, so unique in that they've been at this for, you know, 30, 40 years almost uh, and yet, uh, the stock shows something's going on here. Now, one of the things that has happened quite often with this company is there will be some bill before the California legislature that's getting for, uh, added to or subtracted from or an amendment somewhere that might provide them uh, with some way to get this water all the way to L.A., but it hasn't happened yet. I really think they should rethink their strategy here. <laughs> you ever think in L.A. to move to San Bernardino?
1: Why don't they just, if they really want to get to LA? Just put it on a truck. Put it in some bottles. Have I don't you been know. To San Bernardino? Of course I have. It's I part know. of LA really. Okay. It's the Inland Empire. Have you it's been? It's way inland. Yeah, it's about an hour it's about an hour from downtown. Maybe maybe not even that long, 40 what minutes. What are you talking about? 30 minutes?
0: A quarter mile can be an hour from the 405.
1: <laughs> no, once you get past downtown it's not so bad. I mean there's I mean well, compared to the rest of LA. Compared to the rest of the world, it's horrible.
0: Like you've ever been to the east side of LA ever. I, I was just there on Saturday. What are you talking about? All right, fine. <laughs> All right, coming up next, we're going to look at a, another controversial company, actually. OpFi in the world of subprime lending. Don't call them a payday lender because they're not. We're going to talk to the CEO, Jared Kaplan, who defends this business when the drill down continues.
1: The Drill Down is brought to you by Braintrust, a global talent network that matches highly reputable, skilled technical freelancers with the world's most reputable brands. Braintrust has helped clients like Bank of America, Goldman Sachs, Porsche, Under Armour, and more build agile tech teams fast at a fraction of the cost. Visit Braintrust.com, that's B-R-A-I-N-T-R-U-S-T.com,
0: to learn more. And the Drill Down is brought to you by Indeed. When you pay for a job site, you should know what you're getting. Get Indeed and only pay for quality candidates who have the must-have requirements that you need. Don't just hope for a perfect candidate. Indeed's hiring tools help you cut through the noise to hire faster and smarter. With Indeed Assessments, choose from 135 skills tests make sure you're finding applicants who have the skills you need. Now, according to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined and one and a half times more hires than even internal referrals. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Get started right now, Drill Down listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash drill down. That's right, a $75 credit at indeed.com slash drill down. That's indeed.com slash drill down. Offer valid through September 30. Terms and conditions apply. All right, welcome back to the Drill Down Podcast. We're joined right now by the OpFi CEO, Jerry Kaplan joining us from Chicago. Jared, uh, glad to have you on. Um, OpFi, new to the the public world, at least, uh, publicly traded thanks to a SPAC offering last year. Um, but tell us about the business. What What is the business uh, of OpFi?
2: Yeah, certainly new to the, the public world and to institutional investors, not new to our customers who have loved us for a while, but uh, they're actually often misunderstood by institutional investors in the public world, right? These are these are your everyday Americans that uh, on a good day have $300 of savings and uh, have uh, less than perfect credit. And when they run into a particular issue and they go to seek to finance it, they're typically turned down. And we've got some really cool decisioning technology that uh, allows our bank partners to understand ability and willingness to repay of someone who has on paper a poor FICO score, get them access to credit, and ultimately structure it in a way that we hope will rebuild their financial health. And, and now we're on the journey to take this from a credit access platform to more of an ecosystem for this everyday consumer and become the preeminent destination for all of their financial services needs, much like SoFi has done for those Henry's, the high earner not rich yet crowd. We want to do that for yeah. this everyday U.S. consumer. Well,
0: so let's talk about this. Specifically, what is your principal offering up to this point?
2: Yeah, it's been, uh, the, the Op Loans product is what uh, we call it. It's a uh, installment loan, about $1,500, uh, about 11-month term. Uh, as part of that process, the consumer will apply typically on their mobile phone. Uh, maybe their car broke down and they need to fix it to get to work tomorrow. We'll first go to about 20 near prime platforms to see if there's an appetite about 98% of the time there's not. And then we'll try to facilitate that product for them. The app loans product and uh, it's structured as a much better product than the market to the last resort. So much better than a payday loan or an auto title loan product. And uh, there are no ancillary fees. There's no prepayment penalties. We report to the three credit bureaus on behalf of so the you, banks. And,
0: so you, so you offer these loans, you offer them uh, theoretically more expeditiously than, than any other way they can get to them. And uh, you said typically 11 months.
2: Typically 11 months, yeah. It's a 11-month a, 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 a term contractually. They, they end up uh, turning over about every four and a half months, so they're relatively short in duration. But pre- previous to that product, I mean, this is a customer who uh, was forced to, to take out a 30-day product, you know, for, for maybe $500 when they really need the $1,500 to fix their car. So it's, it's superior in all ways from a product structure perspective, but it's meant to be a starter product. And so once well, you've and, proven and, yourself, sure. you can graduate. Yeah.
0: Now traditionally, in that industry the, those loans for a lot of those customers would roll over to another loan and roll into another, another loan. So you mentioned thirty days, but they weren't really thirty days. For the, from the customer experience, it was contractually thirty days, but might roll over into a bigger loan and into a bigger loan. So that customer is kind of always a, a regular customer. And and I think that um, those of us who who aren't you know payday it's not a, to be cur- to be clear it's not a payday loan, but um, it, it sort of fits in the same kind of category, fair to say, Are the same kind of people who have traditionally availed themselves of payday loans or are looking at your products from OpFi?
2: About half the half the customers that that come into the product came from a market last resort like payday. The other half uh, were a customer that that traditionally had a near prime option, but something happened to their credit, and now they no longer have an option, so they fall down to our spectrum. So it's, it's about half and half, but you know, to your point, I mean, the payday product has been filled. You know, m- many people ha- ha- in that space, uh, ha- you're bad actors, right? You've, you've got, you've got products that roll over. Uh, they're meant to roll over. We actually have found early on that if you're below 620 FICO, you know, for whatever reason, the traditional market has abandoned you. yeah. So uh, can you get someone a, a starter product that is, much better than those last market alternatives, but then once they perform, can you get them out? And, and, and we got to prove ourselves on this, right? We've launched a couple of products recently to um, to help quantifiably prove that we can get these, because we can facilitate better products for these consumers over time and you know, help them improve their traditional credit scores so that they're eligible for those traditional mainstream products. That's the goal.
0: Yeah, it's, it's so, a friend of mine, Gary Rivlin, wrote a book about 10 years ago called Broke USA, and it looked at this payday lending world and, and w- which was rife with abuse at the time. Again, I'm, I'm lumping you into a category that you're adjacent to and not in, so you'll pardon me for that, uh, I hope. Uh, but in Rivlin's book, he really sort of, you get this idea that there's this whole class of people, and I mean class quite literally, who truly rely on these occasional or extra credit to kind of get through their life, and who need this kind of access to credit but to whom uh, uh, they became victims of abuse because they needed it so badly and traditional financial institutions just wouldn't step down into those credit risk areas.
2: Yeah, our customer is not a low-income consumer. It's actually, it's the U.S. median consumer. They, they make 50 grand, they have, so they have a job, they have a bank account, uh, but they have poor credit and it's thick file credit. I mean, there's real damage to that traditional credit score. So um, Wait, What does
0: thick file credit mean?
2: Thick file means that uh, they're not credit invisible. They actually have lots of transactions that show up on the traditional bureaus. So there's there's real data there that would suggest someone didn't pay a bill either purposely or inadvertently over time, and 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 and, and it's a it's a real credit file with lots of data and decisions that, from a precursory point of view, it would look like the customer is not creditworthy. And that's the key to the 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 that all the fancy technology. It, it's to Ignore the the traditional credit scores to look at alternative data, everything from how you fill out the application to your bank data. Ignore the warning
0: flag and notice all the other flags uh, flying at the same time.
2: That's right. Because, I mean, the country, the problem with the country is no one's got savings. So we've got 150 million Americans with less than $1,000 of savings because all the costs of living have been increasing and wages have been flat. So it doesn't take much. If you only got $1,000 of savings to put you over the edge, which could damage your credit, it doesn't mean you're a bad person. It doesn't mean you don't have the ability and willingness to repay. And, and we have these tremendous customer SAT scores uh, because we care deeply about it. We're maniacal about providing great customer service. But at the same time, you know, 40% of our customers are at the largest banks of the country. Right? They bank at, at, at the three largest banks. So the fact that, that through our platform, uh, they're able to get access, they just have tremendous grateful and there's some loyalty. they're like, oh, you saw me as who I am, right? You didn't, you didn't look at that blemish on my on my record. I am a great person and I'm gonna I'm gonna do well for you because you did well for me. And and, and it's that it's that loyalty that we wanna build on as we round out the product suite and cross sell more mainstream products to the consumer after they've proven themselves over time.
0: What are the limits on how much interest you can charge? And does it how much does it vary state to state?
2: Yeah, so it's actually not our, we're not the lender. Uh, we partner with three banks, and those banks uh, can charge, uh, they're actually all Utah banks, so they can charge uh, uh, what they want on the loan. Utah does not have an APR state cap. They can export that rate, and uh, and they call the shots. Ultimately, it's their credit model. It's their decision where to lend. Uh, they provide uh, all the regulatory and compliance oversight, and we're powering them with uh, the know-how on how to acquire how to build underwriting algorithms and how to service the customer you're trying to show
0: that that you're going to bring them customers who have less likelihood of defaulting presumably um what so what is the typical um, interest
2: rate depends on the product so the op loans product the typical apr the the range is fifty nine percent to one hundred and sixty percent, which sounds high to someone who isn't in the market but compared to the market's last resort it's infinitely Cheaper and, and structured in a much better way without any ancillary fees. There's no origination fee or prepayment penalty or late fees or NSF fees. Right, Just uh, still
0: super high interest rate, right?
2: It's it's super high, um, but 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 much better than the alternatives. And the goal then is once they prune themselves, the the two additional products that we currently have in the market that are in, in both beta stages: uh, Salary Tap, which is a, a similar, very similar product to the Opulence product, but it's um, 29% APR on average, and um, and 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 that's lower because the customer agrees to repay us through payroll deduction, which is a highly secure for, form of repayment. And then the Opfi credit card is a uh, is a sub 36% credit card product that competes with other non prime credit card products out there. Um, and over time, we can get more competitive and and work with the bank partners to drive more mainstream products as the customers prove themselves
0: what percentage of you you've got all this data about your customers and presumably that's a, that's the magic sauce right the secret sauce what percentage of your customers um take out a second loan or take out a second loan when their 11 months are up
2: yeah uh about half the customers will take out a second loan uh that's either a customer that needs to refinance or wants to refinance and in our, in our world in most cases after they've paid down 400 dollars or 15 percent of the principal they're eligible to refinance and they can uh, reapply and, and, and they're re underwritten and then uh, potentially can uh, get some additional money. Or so wait, so are they
0: saying if they don't pay down principal, they can't refinance?
2: Yeah, that's right. All, all, all the products amortize. So, so all the payments are repaying principal in the product. It's another part of the product design that ensures that principal is being repaid, which is much different than a traditional payday loan. Um, so they have to they have to prove a, a repayment history and a number of other tests to be to be re eligible for refinancing. Uh, the other aspect of return behavior is, is customers who previously repaid the loan have some other issue pop up months later and then had a great experience and then come back. And uh, you know what we have found is the platform is the best game in town day one day two day three right like that that's that's part of the issue is until you get over that six twenty FICO barrier everyone else is basically saying no so rather than relying on that world to to recognize these consumers we're starting to get much more aggressive and uh work with the banks to to reward customers who are repaying over time to graduate them to these additional products because i think we'd all agree that we we don't want um these products to be perpetual we want customers who are performing to be rewarded over time and that's how you truly can rebuild their financial health and what's differentiating the platform yeah, yeah. I don't know if
0: everyone would agree, right? Some shareholders would say, "No, you know, you got them fixed on this product. Keep them here. Your customer acquisition cost goes down the longer they stay on. Your marketing cost, as a percentage of every customer, goes down if you keep them on the hook and they've got to keep borrowing and keep borrowing." I we could, I think we would. You and I have seen both agree that that becomes pernicious at a certain point. But there were reasons that other companies did this a lot um, up until 2008, and in, in the in the end. And indeed, if if not for some of the legal changes led by the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, maybe those things would still be going on.
2: yeah, the 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 ESG component of investing, thankfully, has really stepped up. In most conversations I have with people, actually, they really care about the social impact piece. We, we We launched our, our our first annual social impact report. A couple of weeks ago, that talks about financial health and and how we view customers and how their financial health is approved. I I think it's actually required now. And so yeah, you're right. From a finan- pure financial perspective, you may drive a better economic model by by doing that. I mean, it's not the company we're building. It's not what the people. We we try to give the business away up front. Like people said, we were crazy. They said we're gonna you're gonna cannibalize your business, but we proved that the product is, is is necessary because when we try to give it away, we're only successful 2% of the time. So yeah. we, we love that. But the same thing on the back end. Like when someone's been performing and if you want it, if you want to build lifetime value, if you want to build an ecosystem beyond what we got today, the only way to do that is to reward and, and markets don't stay this way. Like we're a profitable business. We've been growing quite, quite, quite rapidly. I think we want to stay ahead of the competition by using our data to continue to grow fast and, uh, uh, make make adequate profit, but at the same time, uh, work with the banks to reduce prices for the customer. And, and, and that's how you build a sustainable winning business.
0: So what percentage of your customers do get their FICA score up so they don't need you anymore at the end of a year?
2: Uh, I don't have the percent. I, I know the average customer saw their um, their their score go up about 32 points. Now that that's correlation. It's not causation, right? So we have to do a lot more work to be able to say we cost and, and FICO is really complicated because there's lots of factors that can affect your score beyond uh how how, how we work with you. But it's, that's it's how quick we're quick to injure
0: and slow to heal.
2: Yeah, yeah. And and and, and the product, I mean the, the credit card product, part of the reason for the credit card product launch was not only is it a, is it's a better product, it's 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 a lower cost product, it's revolving credit, which is a higher weight on FICO. So the idea will be as we're able to move more customers to that to that product, we should see a acceleration in the uh, trajectory of their score, if they're repaying us. So like we're going to are hoping you able to, to do a a lot, customer a accounts and there. get
0: a payment directly from a customer's bank account?
2: If they, if they agree to it, we are, and, and, and most of them, uh, prefer to repay that way it's easier for them but they um they have to opt in for us to uh, to work with them in that manner and there's probably no option to get the loan if you don't opt in for that right no no you have to you have to provide you have to provide an option so yeah there's there's an option to to repay uh multiple ways not just through uh ACH as you uh, just yeah. alluded to i mean there's also this payroll deduction product which is super interesting which is actually working with your employer to take a piece of your paycheck and and divert that directly to us to repay the loan and i think uh that's that's a terrific way for people to stay on track and n- not necessarily yep. um have to set up a reminder to set a paper check or whatever
0: so as i read your paper. s1 filing um there's some conversation in there about where you get your leads specifically about the relationship with credit karma and that and it looks like you know call it, it well uh, the percentage of leads you got from market aggregators uh, aggregators went down as you approached the ipo then went right up uh up you know 200 300 basis points into the six months beforehand what's Explain to me that relationship, maybe through the eyes of what happened with Credit Karma.
2: Well, we work with 50 plus, we call them strategic marketing partners today. I mean, that's from everyone from the Credit Karma's to the Lending Trees of the world. They're terrific partners. The reason why we like those platforms is, um, is, is we can closely integrate with the platforms to make sure that we're being efficient with their traffic. We've got some proprietary technology that allows them to understand uh, if we are more or less likely to uh, to, to, to be able to work with a customer and then uh, you can optimize that over time and the customer ends up coming over to your site and they can see uh, our brand, the bank's brand. So it creates a more wholesome experience for the consumer and uh, our philosophy from an acquisition perspective over time is to lead with the lower cost stuff like search engine optimization. And customer referrals and email marketing but that partner channel is very robust and so it's grown nicely for us over the last couple of years and at the same time we've been able to reduce our reliance on direct mail which works really really well but it's only about 20 percent of the business today because what what prevents someone from mailing the same mailbox right it's a lot less of a sustainable competitive advantage and, versus the other other levers
0: and there was a i'll, I'll bring it up there was a short report out that, that looked at your company and it looks like part of it was just against the notion of payday lending and how expensive it was there's of course omnipresent concern about Consumer Financial Protection Bureau and others might maybe changing the rules, tightening the rules that were loosened during the Trump administration. There's also a suggestion there that you guys did some things to pump up your reviews and put fake reviews on sites. Did you guys do that? Do you do that? Do you-
2: Unequivocally, no. Uh, you know, My my whole uh, pitch when I talk with third parties is, please, you can ignore everything I say, go see what the customer says. And I think there is this uh, sense of disbelief sometimes for, for folks who haven't used the product to understand uh, why this is such a better alternative than what's out there, but uh, those customer reviews are what drives this business, right? And um, uh, we're, we're thankful to have hundreds of thousands of raving fans today from a customer perspective, and we hope to have millions in the future. But um, and they the lifeblood of business. those by
0: putting in fake reviews or any, of any kind. Absolutely not. Um, interesting company, uh, and it's interesting to look at this space change and. You know, the regulatory, you know, well, let me ask you finally, uh, there was this recent battle between the cont- Consumer Financial Protection Bureau and the Community Financial Services Association, the CFSA. Um, can you try to encapsulate what was going on there and and, and why these two, presumably both well-meaning organizations, uh, were at, at, at odds about this?
2: There needs to be more regulation in the space, and I think the CFPB isn't thoughtful about it. I mean, they had a small dollar rule out there for years that talked about two provisions. One was an ability to repay provision, and one was a payment provision, which is, I think, what you're alluding to here, yeah. uh, which essentially a says, like, when a, you know, when a customer's got no money in their bank account, you shouldn't be tried, trying to grab it a bunch of times and drive up NSF fees and torture someone that's not get money, right? I mean, w- we, we are a big proponent for guardrails when it comes to legislation in this space. We think there should be best practices that are uh, uh, part of the law, we think the CFPB's payment rule and the ability to pay rule are, are common sense legislation that should be in place, along with a list of other pieces that 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 we believe that uh, the products on our platform have, and and that's the better way to ensure that you are protecting customers rather than some of the other concepts out there of rate caps and, and such, which would uh, deny access when it does nothing to de- to demand it just it just uh, 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 takes away supply right the, the best way is to recognize that there is tremendous demand out here for the product for a reason and structure the products in a way that allows customers to repay them to to get out of the products and then reward them when they do and and so that's uh that the CFPB case was one of those uh proposals that had gotten caught up in the courts for a long time but um we applaud uh, the courts and, and the CFPB for proposing it and we, we we largely already operate in that fashion with a couple tweaks because the banks agreed to waive all Uh, NSF fees for a while here. So that doesn't really affect our business.
0: Joe Kaplan is the CEO of OpFi. Appreciate your time. Well, when the drill down continues, we'll have one number that tells us a whole lot about OpFi and uh, the import of this business. We'll have that when the drill down continues. The drill down is brought to you by Era. With Era, give yourself an information advantage. Connect directly
1: to earnings calls and other investor events with live transcription and event intelligence. That's
0: Era, A I E R A.com. And we hope you're enjoying the Drill Down podcast. Hell, if you've listened this long, you, you must be. Why don't you leave a review and let the rest of the world know what you like about the Drill Down?
1: And let us know what companies you think we should be drilling down on. Talk to us on Twitter and Instagram by following at DrillDownPod and connect with us directly at our website, bizpod.net. All
0: right, we're back with the Drill on Byte, the one number that tells us a whole lot. Well, OpFi, as we heard, doesn't uh, initiate most of their loans. Or they don't hold those loans. They don't make the loans. Those loans are made by a Utah bank. In fact, 68%... There's your number. Comes from one bank, sixty-eight percent. That's a drill on bite. That one number that tells a whole lot. Sixty-eight percent from Finwise, a Utah chartered bank. Isaac, do you know why they lend all over the country, but they only uh, borrow from uh, from a Utah bank? I do not. Because in Utah, there's no limit to what interest rate you want to charge on that oh. kind of a loan. So those laws usually go state by state, and Utah has no limit on those kinds of an interest-capped rate. Usury rate, usually those are set by states and some states have some real tight payday lending rules and so on. Um, Utah does not. And so the loans come from Utah and get applied across all these state lines. Interesting. Are you been listening to Drill Down Podcast? We hope you found it interesting. I certainly did. I'm Corey Johnson. Isaac Webster is our executive producer. And as you just heard, he found it interesting. I really did. Ben Wilson, our editor extraordinaire, he usually finds it Interesting. Occasionally. And we promise tomorrow's show, you'll find more that's interesting. So come back then. We'll see you then. The on Ones production of the Business Podcast Network.